All right. Good morning, everybody. A um, couple of things before we get started. First of all, I did hear uh, late yesterday from uh, Donna Staley. Um, and she is looking for some help uh, at home. Uh, Chuck apparently had a fall, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, um, but uh, it was very difficult, uh, even with her family there, to try to get him back into bed after the fall. Um, and with the way that they have the hospice uh, set up, um, there's not somebody with uh, Donna all the time to even help to turn Chuck over in bed. Um, so we are looking for some folks that might be willing to uh, go down uh, to Donna's house to be able to uh, help her out maybe for a half an hour or an hour a day. Um, maybe two or three people that can go at different times of the day just to help her um, not only to be able to, to turn Chuck and to be able to take care of him, but even just to give her a little bit of a break. Um, she, is, uh, she is struggling a little bit and I know that she's exhausted. So uh, if you are uh, willing to help out uh, anytime during the week, uh, let me know, or better yet, let uh, your deacon know, uh, and we can try to arrange uh, some sort of a schedule for that. Is that, Linda, is that okay? Okay. Um, so just wanted to let you know that. Also, um, as you're praying this week, um, pray for the families of the victims of the uh, school shooting in Michigan. Um, and also pray for the students across the country who have kind of been processing and dealing with this tragedy. Um, it is, it happens far too often. Um, we know that, that we cannot control evil. We cannot control the things that people are going to do. Uh, but we can pray for the safety of our schools, the safety of our students. Uh, so please just uh, like to take a moment and uh, pray this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are a, a God of protection. You are a God of comfort. And Father, we don't always understand why tragedy happens. We don't always understand what's going on in the minds and the hearts of people, but you do. Father, I ask that you would place your comforting hand over the families of those who lost loved ones in this most recent shooting and in all of the school shootings that we've heard about this year. Ask that you would give your comfort and your protection to our school students across the country. That uh, you would just cover our schools with your protection, that you would cover our minds, our hearts with your protection, and that these tragedies may not occur. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the second uh, week of Advent and uh, trouble with the lighting notwithstanding. Uh, I had trouble too when I came up and started trying to light the first one this morning. Um, so this is, but this is the, uh, the second week of Advent. And um, as the second week of Advent, uh, we're going to continue our sermon series. And we're going to use some words from the uh, Christmas Carol, Do You Hear What I Hear? And uh, we're using that kind of as a backdrop to answer the question, what difference does it make? What difference does it make that Jesus 
came to earth? What difference did it make to the people who experienced him? And what difference does it make to us today? And of course, this morning, our sermon is titled, Do You Hear What I Hear? And if you're not familiar, I was, again, I, was, I had this great video to play, and then we ran into copyright issues, and we don't want to get sued. So, um, But we, we all know the song, Do You Hear What I Hear, or many, many of us know the song. And the lyrics for this uh, particular verse uh, said, The little lamb to the shepherd boy, Do you hear what I hear, ringing through the night, shepherd boy? A song, a song high above the trees, with a voice as big as the seas. And of course, we know that this verse uh, refers to the story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. Um, and we're going to read those verses this morning, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. Um, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I want you to, I want you to read what the angels are saying here. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And just as importantly, I want you to look at how they communicated this news. Do you notice something? The Bible never says that the angels sang. How many of you have ever noticed that before? Do you know why we never noticed it before? Because we sing angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing or the plain. Right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't sing those songs. They're beautiful songs and they express a worship and, and an emotion that uh, kind of get us into this worshipful uh, time of Advent. But the heavenly host never sang. Hark, the herald angel didn't sing. The angels that we heard on high weren't sweetly singing or the plain, the whole third stanza of, Oh, come all ye faithful, isn't how it happened. And now I've ruined Christmas for everybody, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope not, because it's, it's still okay, like I said, to sing these carols, but, but what is it? What is, what is the deal? Why am I telling you that angels didn't sing at the birth of Jesus? Angels don't sing anywhere in the Bible. How many of you realize as you're reading the Bible, angels don't sing anywhere? How many of you think, yes, they do, Pastor Joe. Stop being such a ruiner of Christmas. 
talking to Wendy. Wendy was so upset when I started working on this sermon and I came out after I started working on it and we were sitting down, we were getting ready to watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, of course. And I, and, and I said, yeah, this is going to be a really good sermon because I'm going to be talking about how angels don't sing. And she was like, what? <laughs> yes, they do. I know, I've read it someplace. I've read it in Revelation that, that, that angels sing. And I said, well, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 2. And I saw... Oh, sorry, skipped one. I didn't put a slide in. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And then in verse 8, we read, and when he had taken... The scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And we don't have time this morning to talk about who are the four creatures, the 24 elders. But in the spring, we will when we have a Bible study here uh, in the evenings about the book of Revelation. Uh, but we go on in verse 12, uh, 11 and 12, and it says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering of myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I looked these up, I promise you. I went into my concordance, my online thing on Logos.com, and I looked up these words. What does it say? What does it mean when it says, and they said, or they were saying? And it means they said, or they were saying. It doesn't mean that they were singing. And again, I'm not trying to ruin Christmas for you, but in, in Revelation 15, we see where most people think that angels sing. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hand, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb. It's not the angels with the seven plagues that are singing. They have nothing to sing about. <laughs> They're getting ready to rain things down on people that we don't want rained down on us. But those who conquered the beast and conquered the number of his name and his image are the ones who are singing. These are the martyrs. These are the people who refused to worship the beast and its image and take the number of its name. These were the people who were singing. In other words, these were human souls that we read about in Revelation. And why am I telling you all this? Why is it important even that angels don't sing in the Bible? It is important because human beings do sing. Human beings do something so incredibly worshipful to God 
that the angels either can't or won't do it. We never read in Scripture where the angels sing to God. They worship Him with their words. But it's only human beings that worship Him in singing. Human beings worshiping God in song. And, and there's even something more incredible than just our ability to worship God in song. In Zephaniah chapter 3, we read of the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And it says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And watch this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God saves his people. And after he saves his people and his people are saved. He sings over them with loud singing. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the most exciting things I can think of in the Advent season, that God sings over us when we accept His gift of salvation. When we are saved by God, He sings over us. Name another God that's worshipped on earth, that sings over his people. You can't. God sings over us. And as we walk through this Advent season, we reflect on what it means that Jesus came from heaven to earth. We light these candles and they remind us of different things. They remind us of the love and the hope and the peace that Jesus gives. And they remind us of his salvation. And as we saw last week, an angel, Gabriel, came and he gave that good news first to Zechariah and then to Mary in Luke chapter 1. To Zechariah, he delivered the news that his wife Elizabeth would have a child in their old age. They would call him John. And this child, John, would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. John's whole job was to ready people to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. John's whole job was to prepare us to be sung over by God the Father. And to Mary, Gabriel delivered the news that she, a virgin, would conceive a child and name him Jesus. And that conception would be through the Holy Spirit. And of Jesus, Gabriel said, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And if that wasn't enough, an angel also appeared 
to Mary's fiance, Joseph. He was sleeping. And I don't know, how many of you have ever had like a really, really vivid dream that you really thought, man, that happened? A few nights ago, I had a dream that Wendy had come to me and asked if I wanted to go for a walk, because sometimes she asks me if I want to go for a walk. And I forgot about the dream until like a day or so later, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. I said yes, and then I never went for the walk. <laughs> oh my goodness, I, and I felt so bad. And I was gonna say something to her, and then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, but then she like went and did something else, and that was a dream. I almost got myself in trouble over a dream. That's how vivid our dreams can be sometimes, and how real our dreams can be sometimes. And here's Joseph. But instead of this dream not happening, the things in the dream not happening, they do. And Joseph is visited by an angel of the Lord in a dream, and they said, or he said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the Bible goes on to say that Joseph woke up and took Mary as his wife. Joseph knew that his dream was real. He knew that God was speaking to him through those dreams. God sends John to prepare for the arrival of Jesus, God's only begotten son. And he will save his people from their sins. And when he does, God will sing in a loud voice over them. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, they were all perplexed. They were all afraid, but they were also excited. Both Mary and Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 praise and worship God through prayer and through prophecy. In Luke 1, 46 to 55, while Mary is still carrying Jesus, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary praised God for his mighty works, the works that he did in her, the works that he did in Israel, the mercy that he shows to his people and the coming salvation of the world. And Mary praised God. 
Zechariah, after John was born, he spoke of the mercy of the Lord in his prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He swore this oath to our father Abraham over 4,000 years earlier. I can't wait 15 minutes for dinner. And here the people of Israel have been waiting 4,000 years for the coming of their salvation. And John's saying it's here. It's finally here. And God is going to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant I already read that. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, he's talking to his baby son, John, who he's now holding in his arms. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God is merciful he is mighty. He destroys our enemies. Now John thought, or I'm sorry, Zechariah thought that Messiah was coming to destroy physical enemies. Thought he was going to destroy the Romans or whoever was enslaving the Israelites at that time. But when Jesus came, he wasn't here to destroy physical enemies. He was here to destroy the enemy of God himself. He was here to win us back from Satan. He was here to offer us mercy and grace and salvation. And most of all, he was here to show us the way back to God the Father so that God would sing over us. In this second week of Advent, we consider this idea of hope. And we consider the hope of salvation in these stories that we share, even in the songs that we sing, whether the angels are singing in them or not. We hear the hope that Jesus brings. We reflect on what God did for humanity. He sent His only Son for our salvation. He sent His only Son to be reconciled to Him. He sent His only Son as our only hope. How can we not be excited about that? How can we not worship God? How can we not sing at the top of our voices? We don't even have to sound good. 
I know this is good news for some of you who don't think you sound good. God doesn't say make a joyful sound. He says make a joyful noise. Anybody who has children know what noise sounds like. And it doesn't always sound pretty. But I'll tell you what, anytime my kids were making noise, especially when they were playing on those uh, gifts that we gave, like the musical things and the drums and the thing, uh, all of the clanging things that we uh, very, very soon regretted giving them, they were having a ball. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to sing mightily to God. We're supposed to sing worshipfully to God. And your voice sounds beautiful to him. No matter what it sounds like to us, it sounds beautiful to him. And I can just imagine as our voices joyfully worship the Father, as we stand every Sunday to sing, if we sing in worship to Him, I can just imagine the angels in heaven saying, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky. It is the people of God worshiping Him in a way we'll never know how to. How lucky can they be? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that you created us so that when time is over, when the old heaven and the old earth pass away and the new heaven and the new earth come, that we will be over the angels, that we will be the only creatures that can sing worship to Father, we thank you for our voices. We thank you that we have beautiful voices. We thank you that we have screechy voices. We thank you that we have whatever voice we have that we can raise to you in worship and in praise. Father, help us to overcome our fear. Help us to overcome just our pride. And help us to sing a mighty song to you. Father, we thank you as we enter into this time of communion. We thank you for this time of remembrance. Just as we thank you for this time of Advent, this, this time of anticipation for all of the work that your Son has done for us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to share communion together. This is, is it's a time of remembrance, and, and we see that. We, we have it on our table in remembrance. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And I think that this comes at a perfect time at Advent as we reflect on the hope that Jesus gives, the hope of salvation. We also reflect on how that hope was fulfilled through the death of Jesus Christ and later through his resurrection. And as we live this hope in our lives, we gather at the Lord's table to receive his body and his blood represented by the bread and the cup.
And we call this practice communion because Christians celebrate Christ's sacrifice in community. This is not something that we do individually. This is something that we come together to do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theology, wrote a book called Life Together and among his many other works. And he said this, he said, the community of the Holy Lord's Supper is above all the fulfillment of Christian community. It's why we come together to remember the work of Jesus Christ. Bonhoeffer also speaks of preparing ourselves for communion, and we've spoken of that many times here. He echoes the words of the Apostle Paul who tells us to examine ourselves so that we can be worthy to take the bread and the cup, and our examination is one of reflection. We're to reflect on our lives. We're to reflect on the things that we've done, the things that we've said, and we're to ask forgiveness to God for our sins. If we're to be worthy of the bread and the cup, But Jesus also tells us that we are to reflect and to ask forgiveness of one another and to offer forgiveness to one another. As we prepare for our communion service this morning, let us each reflect on the condition of our hearts. Are we repentant toward God? Are we repentant towards others? that we've wronged? And are we forgiving toward others who we have wronged? If we're not, then we might want to consider not taking the bread in the cup this morning. We must examine ourselves. We must seek God's forgiveness. We must seek the forgiveness of others. And we must forgive others who seek it of us. If we do those things, then gladly we should take the cup. We should take the bread. And we should experience that in the community that is Morning Hour Chapel. Let's take a few moments to examine ourselves and then we'll ask the deacons who are serving this morning to come forward. Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it after he had blessed it. He passed it to his disciples to divide amongst themselves. He said, take and eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the body of Christ. Likewise, after dinner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He passed it to his disciples. He said, take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me, the blood of Christ.
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do remember the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. In Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 30, I'm sorry, 37 to 40, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, I tell you, Jesus replied. If they keep quiet, the stones will sing out. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you want stones doing your job? Or do you want to sing out to the Lord in praise, in worship, for His grace and for His mercy? As you go through this week, find your voice. Find your worship and worship God with all your might. God bless you this week.